This is The Guardian. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, coming to you from Gadigal Land, and this is The Full Story. Last week, nearly half the Australian population, that's 10 million people, were left without internet or phone service for 14 hours when the country's second largest telecommunications provider, Optus, crashed. Well, it's leaving people stranded. Like, we don't know, and they haven't got buses yet, so no one knows what they're doing. Everything from trains to hospitals to access to emergency services was affected. You can't call triple zero and there's an emergency. You know, people can die. It's serious. And it comes just over a year after Optus customers were part of the worst cyber breach in Australian history. So what could have caused this outage? And what does it mean for the reputation of one of Australia's biggest telecommunications companies? Today, inside the Optus crash. It's Tuesday, the 14th of November. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Josh, I think a lot of people were surprised that the Optus outage last week just brought down so many things in our everyday lives. <laughs> well, the, the thing about this is, and, and I covered so many outages over the course of my career. Josh Taylor is a reporter for Guardian Australia. They usually just last for maybe one or two hours. And, and often, more often than not, when I go to write a story about it, I end up you know, the services are back online. So it, it, it is very quickly uh, resolved. And this didn't happen this time. So this just went on all day. What stood out to you? Well, I think the one that probably was the most funny, but not really super harmful was the woman who called into ABC Sydney and said she'd only re- realised that there was an outage because her automated cat feeder that was supposed to go off at like 5.10am did not go off. Because my cat woke me up at 10 past six because her cat feeder isn't working. <laughs> Luna, Luna up, tapping on my head. So how's the feeder work? Through the Wi-Fi. It's a Wi-Fi cat feeder. It gives the food at 10 past six. <laughs> when the cat, uh, you know, barged into her bedroom and, and lodged a complaint with management, I think is what she said. So uh, th- that's one of the funny things. But, you know, some other things in terms of people not being able to log in their work emails because they, they couldn't get a two-factor authentication notification. My phone, my home, my work is all with Optus. We have no connection at all to take payments from our customers. Leaving the house, I realised I couldn't map where I had to go today. I had a meeting. A lot of people sort of had both their home phone and their mobile phone with Optus, and that meant that their entire internet access was down. Mm. And, you know, there were more serious things, trains, hospitals, etc. What was the scale of those kind of essential services that were impacted? 
Well, I think the biggest one here in Melbourne was just the fact that the trains for from about 4.30 a.m. on Wednesday were not able to run at all. And that was because their signaling system was was essentially reliant on Optus's mobile network. Mm. And they were eventually, well, it didn't take them too long. It was much quicker to get that back and up and running than it was the Optus network. But it was just one of those things that sort of brought home how how much we rely on it. Hospital lines were down. Mm. Some people had difficulty calling triple zero. And it had a big impact on people with disabilities as well who just rely on um, technology now that is connected to the internet. One person that The Guardian spoke to uh, is a Paralympic swimmer, and she said on Wednesday that Optus's outage left her trapped in bed, unable to contact a support worker with no access to food or water and no idea what was going on. Mm. And that was because all of the devices in her home were smart and they needed to be connected to the internet to work, and she couldn't get support until Thursday morning. Do we know what the cause of this outage was? Optus was a little vague about what happened initially using terms like network event. So over the past week, much of the media has been relying on tech experts to try and figure out what happened. People like Matt Tett. My name's Matt Tett. I'm the managing director of NX Test Lab. We're an independent testing company based in Melbourne and we basically break things and write reports and get paid for it. So to the best of your knowledge, why do you think the Optus outage happened? So to this of my knowledge, when I woke up that morning, I sort of realised that something had probably gone wrong in the configuration. Usually engineers are up quite early in the hours um, applying updates while people are asleep. It sounded like something had gone wrong with the routing. What does that failure look like in, in simple terms? So basically it's a flood. A good example would be I know that I want to give my next-door neighbour's neighbour a, um, a letter, a letter saying, hi, how are you, you know, have a great day. Uh, that letter I address to the neighbour, next-door neighbour, and I hand it to the neighbour, but I've made a mistake and I've actually addressed it to all my neighbours. And who are all my neighbours? My neighbour doesn't know that. So he's grabbed it, he's put it over the fence and then the neighbour next door has gone, okay, that's got to go to all the neighbours. And really, what are all the neighbours and where do you stop? And so once that flood goes out, there's no recalling it. The problem is, even if some of those addresses don't exist or people say, I'm not your neighbour, they're actually responding. And so all these floods are coming backwards the other way as well. So they're reflecting, they're coming back, they're saying, you know, we, we're not your neighbour. Uh, and that basically causes that event and it's just a loop, a flood, if you if you like. To me, it kind of sounds like accidentally pressing reply all and then everyone responding back to you as well. <laughs> Is that... Well, reply, yeah, but literally with everyone's email address. In the world. So not just the ones that were on there, but everybody's. <laughs> so, yeah, the systems just can't handle it and they get flooded. If this is what happened, how do you fix that problem? And is it as simple as just turning Optus on and off again? Oh, I wish you could turn things on and off again. Unfortunately, the internet's a bit more <laughs> complex than, than that. You actually have to get boots on grounds. And then late on Monday, we got confirmation from Optus that Matt's theory was broadly correct. They said information received from an international peering network followed by a routine software upgrade caused a bunch of routers to disconnect. And that restoration took so long because it required a large scale effort of the team and in some cases required Optus to reconnect or reboot routers physically, which meant that you know engineers from across the country had to go to sites physically and then reconnect them all and make sure they were all connected again. I think most people assume that you know, these tech companies are kind of too big to fail, that if the system goes down, they will have a backup, that it'll come back online in the next couple of hours. 
why was this outage so big and why did it take so long for systems to come back online? So it's essentially that, uh, you know, this wouldn't have happened about five or 10 years ago before Optus had basically made its entire network IP-based, which is basically connected to the internet. And before then, you would have had separate systems. It wouldn't have all been a one, what, what Optus actually calls the living network. It's one of their selling points for um, for taking up their services. But they do have this single point of failure that, you know, when one piece of the system goes down, it takes everything down with it. I, I don't really know what the solution to that is, but yeah, it is something that I think a lot of companies are going to be thinking about to make sure they have, you know, measures in place, I think, just to make sure that this sort of thing doesn't happen in the future. Next, the Optus silent treatment. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Josh, some have criticised Optus's response as really lacking, especially considering the scale of the outage. Can you walk me through exactly how they responded in the hours and days afterwards? Yeah, it really wasn't great. So uh, it took them a couple of hours to even acknowledge that there was an issue and they just put out like a one-line statement on social media. It took them, I think, maybe five hours until the CEO, Kelly Bayer-Rosemarin, actually went on to ABC Sydney to actually talk about it. Good to have you on, on the WhatsApp. That's how we've got you this morning. So what do you know? What's happened? Well, I mean, we do know how important connectivity is to all of our customers. So we're really, really uh, apologetic and sorry that our connection has gone down today. But there was just very lacking in detail in, in terms of what was going on. I think it's quite telling that in that first interview, Kelly Bay rosemarin had to call in ABC Sydney via WhatsApp because Optus's network was still down. How can you improve your communications on this? Because people are getting very frustrated. Yeah, well, I think it'd be great if the media could help direct people to our messages. We do have messages out there. We are being very clear with our customers. One of the most notable things is is that the communications minister, Michelle Rowland, held a press conference before she did. From the outset, I reiterate that it is vital for Optus to be transparent and timely in the updates that it is giving to its customers and, you know, as so far, Optus has not held a press conference at all. They've done select interviews with, with select media, not including us. Why haven't they held a press conference, Josh? What's the thinking there, as far as you know? That That's one thing that I'm really somewhat confused about, because as we saw with a hack that happened to them last year, they went to ground sort of the day after it, and they 
they got widely criticized by the government, by customers for just the poor communication that they did around that and not really explaining to customers what was going on, how they were affected and, and not being sort of fully upfront and transparent. And I would have thought that after that, they would have learned that that PR strategy is not useful for them. Mm. Um, but they seem to have adopted an almost identical approach this time. And I'm not really sure what the reason is behind that, whether they've actually learned the lesson. My, my feeling is that they just haven't learned from it at all. Mm. The consequences for some people were not just inconvenient, as we heard, if you know, you're a business that couldn't do business, or if you're a person with a disability who couldn't get around, it was quite bad. What compensation is Optus offering? So if you're on a contract or a small business customer, Optus has offered 200 gigabytes of free data that you can register for until the end of the year. Uh, if you're a prepaid customer, you get unlimited data on weekends until the end of the year. We know that we let everybody down yesterday, and that's why we've put in place uh, this thank you for our customers, where we really want to give them something that they will value that demonstrates how much we care. And most of the people I spoke to said, this is kind of a hollow gesture. If you're like me, uh, you know, you go into the office, you're on the work Wi-Fi all day. At home, you're on your home Wi-Fi. 200 gigabytes is like someone said, it's like offering a, an extra slice of bread on your loaf of bread. It really means nothing at all. Uh, one thing I have heard, and they're probably not advertising it very much because they don't want people to be doing it, but I've heard that people can call up uh, Optus and express their disgust and intention to move away, and then they can be offered a better deal on their plan. So even though they're, they're only publicly offering this 200 gigabytes, there probably are ways for people to try and get a bit more out of them. Right. So if in doubt, give them a call, essentially. Yeah, always. And, it, and it's the first stage in the process if you want to take it down the, the path of, of lodging a complaint with the telecommunications industry ombudsman as well. And I, I feel like Optus will probably try to avoid as many complaints of those as possible and people trying to get out of their contracts and things like that as well. Mm. And then on Monday, Optus said that they have a dedicated specialist team that can assess complaints on the outage for small businesses and examine options available to resolve their concerns. So it's possible that small businesses could be assessed for greater compensation. The government has opened several lines of investigation into this outage. Can you talk me through them and, and what they could mean for Optus? Okay, so on Thursday morning, the Senate voted to hold an inquiry into the outage uh, with the Greens uh, sort of leading that. Uh, so the inquiry will focus on Optus's handling of the incident, how it compensates its customers and what the federal government can do to ensure reliable coverage. And the first hearing for that will be held on Friday this week and the CEO, Kelly Bayer-Rosemarin, will appear at that inquiry. Alongside the Senate inquiry, uh, the Optus outage has prompted two other investigations, um, which the company has said it will cooperate fully with. One is the communications department doing a post-incident review into the outage, and that will basically be looking at what lessons can be learned and, and what companies can do to prevent it happening to them as well. I think both processes will actually be good in terms of sort of giving us a full picture of what actually happened because a lot of the time when these outages happen, we don't ever get a you know, thorough explanation of what caused it and how we can prevent it from happening again. Mm. Uh, and the second government inquiry is uh, the Australian Communications and Media Authority uh, is making sure that Optus was in compliance with uh, rules around triple zero calling. So the way that triple zero works is that if you're not on any network, if your network is suffering an outage on your mobile phone, you should be able to still dial triple zero and it will just basically camp on another network and make that call connect. Mm. Uh, but we saw during the outage on Wednesday that um, Optus mobile customers were unable to make triple zero calls and the company had to basically put out a statement saying, 
grab your friend's phone, grab one of your family's phone, just don't use the Optus mobile network for making that call. So that would be in violation of that particular you know, rule that's been in place for about 20 years now. Right. The government is currently considering whether this power should be used more broadly and whether they should be able to force telcos like Optus to let customers roam their rival networks in the event of an emergency or even an outage. How would this work? So this is this is something that's sort of been brewing in the background. We haven't really sort of talked about it until now, but the communications minister, Michelle Rowland, and the emergency management minister, Murray Watt, have been working on bushfire resiliency, disaster resiliency, things like that. Mm. And they had tasked the National Emergency Management Agency in October to begin working with the telcos for developing a means of emergency temporary roaming. And that would mean that it's more combined to sort of like uh, bushfire or flood situations. So it means like if, if there is a flood in Lismore or something again and a Telstra tower goes down, people can roam on top just in that location and it will still work. Mm. And not just for triple zero, just for anything in an emergency. Yeah. Just for just for anything mobile, yeah. So while this proposal was planned specifically for emergencies or natural disasters, uh, when I asked her office whether it would work uh, in the case of an outage, uh, her office indicated that it was something they were considering. And this is this is obviously on a much larger scale, and we're not sure whether this will actually work in practice because uh, you know <laughs> if if Optus went down again and ten million customers had to float onto two other networks, it's probably not going to be great for those two other networks. But it is potentially one option. This roaming is in place in other countries like Canada and they decided this was needed after a similar mass outage happened there and they basically came up with a plan for if there's a massive outage like this for um, telcos to be able to roam different networks so their customers can keep having service. That It is interesting when the ACCC sort of looked into this earlier in the year, Telstra told them that it's uh, feas- like technically feasible, uh, but there was very strong resistance against doing it from uh, the telcos because Optus said at the time that it would have it would require them to invest hundreds of millions more dollars in their networks because they would have to have this uh, redundant capacity sitting there basically waiting in case it ha- something happens. So we'll see what happens out of this NEMA process. They've, they've got until March next year to actually come back to the government and say this is our plan, but uh, it's still early stages at this stage. Josh, as we've discussed a little bit, last year Optus suffered the worst cyber breach in Australian history. There were at least 2.1 million ID numbers exposed. Hundreds of thousands of passport and Medicare numbers were taken. Now that they've suffered another really public disaster, what could the fallout be more broadly for their reputation and their, their customers? I think it will be largely reputational damage. Uh We'll have to wait and see what happens with customers. After the uh, cyber attack last year, Optus saw complaints against it rise about 30%. And on the day that the Optus network came down, Vodafone uh, and Boost both both recorded like a four-fold and five-fold increase in sales on that day. And that that was like their busiest sale day of the year. And a lot of that probably would have just been people who were looking for a temporary SIM to be able to connect their devices. Mm. But I think the next stage will be how Optus tries to keep their customers and win them back. You know, I already talked about how, you know, customers who said they were unhappy about it potentially getting better deals on their mobile. That would be one stage in how they try to keep them. We might see some reductions in price. I think probably the, the easiest way to compare it is so 10 years ago, um, Vodafone had what was called Vodafone, where their networks were very unreliable and people were very unhappy about it. Telstra and Optus both sort of reduced their prices and snapped up a whole bunch of their the Vodafone customers. Mm. 
it, that really hurt Vodafone for about it, for a couple of years, and it's taken a, like a long time for their brand to to come back to where it is now, and where like, they had to invest hundreds of millions of dollars in new networks and stuff like that. Uh, so that it, it can have a lasting effect. Whether a one day outage is going to have that same effect, we'll have to just wait and see. I think before we can tell whether it's going to be a long lasting thing. Right. I suppose the big question is: Will customers trust Optus going forward? Well, I think that remains to be seen. You know, there's, there's still a lot going on in terms of the hack and the fallout from that, including a class action lawsuit where they're trying to keep information secret still. Um, no, I mean, the other thing I would... I would the other thing I would kind of say is it, it, it comes at a time when Optus is lobbying the government for a lot of things to get what they see as a sort of a fair play in the market against Telstra. One of the things we've seen the communications minister talk about is that it took so long for the Optus CEO to get on the phone in the first place. I imagine that going forward, if Optus wants something, they're going to find it hard to get the the communications minister on the phone. That was Josh Taylor, a reporter for Guardian Australia. He'll be reporting on the inquiries into Optus, including the appearance of Optus CEO later this week. Make sure to follow along at theguardian.com. If you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe or follow Full Story wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also leave a review. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Karishma Luthria and Miles Herbert. The executive producer is Miles Martignoni, who stepped in for sound design on this episode as well. The music by Joe Koning. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates. Thanks for listening. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.